Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. is No Excuses with John Taffer. I'm John Taffer, best-selling author, bar rescue guru, and soon your new best friend. I've got a lot of shit for us to talk about, so stop making excuses and let's get started because this gets real right now. All the way from the studios at Podcast One, here's John Taffer. All righty, here we go. I'm John Taffer. This is my No Excuses podcast, episode 55. Wow. Well into year two. You know, as we just celebrated America's birthday, I was looking at some unbelievable business statistics of what's going on now in the economy. It's actually pretty unbelievable. And how much small business matters. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but 99% of U.S. employers are small business owners. 99% of employers are small business. Think about that for a second. Small business in the U.S. employs 57 million people. That was 2018. 57 million. About 543,000 new businesses are started each month, each month in America. Think about that for a moment. So we've been talking about marriage rescue these past few weeks, and we talk about bar rescue a lot. You know, bar is a small business. And what's interesting about small business is how it's exploded in the past two years uh, uh, since the election. And, you know, when we take a look at it and we pick it apart and people can say what they want to say and putting all politics aside, the economics are pretty clear. When you allow a small business to hold 20% more of its profits, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. In the typical small business, labor is about 25% of profit. So saving 20% on taxes as a small business owner is a big deal. Corey, you might hire somebody else. Yeah. You know, buy that additional furniture, that piece of equipment. Or you might just say, you know what, this is a great time to start it in the first place. So when we think about 543,000 new businesses started every month in America, wow. And then we think about the most popular ones. And I wonder how many of you are thinking about doing it. You know, the other fascinating thing about small businesses is – is when you start your own business as an entrepreneur, sometimes it's a lot easier to do it when you're young. You don't have kids yet, Corey, right? No, not yet. You're only accountable to just yourself. Right. So in 2018, the uh, biggest startups were healthcare. Healthcare was huge. So little healthcare businesses, healthware, software, services, uh, senior services, children's services. Healthcare is obviously a big thing. E-commerce, of course, through the roof. What's amazing now, Corey, is if you create your own version of the scissor, you could put it online and make a fortune. You don't need to buy a store anymore. Yeah, you social need, media. Yeah, you don't need big corporate offices, right? You don't need a big staff or a big inventory. You can do all that stuff. You can coordinate a, a factory offshore to build it. You can have six weeks delivery time so you can almost order it when it comes in. It's unbelievable what's going on in e-commerce today. Sheets, socks, right? Dog food, everything. is. It's just incredible. And then you're going to smile. Technology as a whole is, of course, a huge growth when apps, things like that. Marijuana is way up there, guys. It's huge in small business starts. And maintenance, uh, uh, just overall maintenance contracts and such. So those were the most popular industries for startups in 2018. Wow. Pretty fascinating. Nothing all that surprising in that, is there? 
when you think about it, Corey. No, not really. I mean, e-commerce is growing. Technology, yeah. certainly we know. Marijuana is a whole new industry. It's exploding almost right. like computers did 30 years ago. And then healthcare is one of the biggest industries of all. So here's another interesting statistic. 23% of small businesses in the U.S. are located in the South. Which means, then, that 77% of all new small business starts are located in the north. Fascinating. The majority of small business owners say that their employees stay with their business for at least four years. That's not bad. 25% of small companies with 500 employees or less are more than 20 years old. Wow. Well, to get up to 500 employees, it takes a while, doesn't it? So that makes perfect sense. And 66% of small businesses will outsource services to other small businesses. So think about this, Corey. Let's say that you wanted to make a widget. Okay. So you sketched it out. You don't need an in-house engineer. You go hire somebody to do the 3D CAD drawings that you need, right? Right. You send those to factories in China. They send you the bids. It's still just you doing this alone. Okay. Right? You send you get the bid from China with the, with the uh, prototype. You, you sign off on the prototype. They finish the CAD drawings in China. They produce the product in China. They ship it to you here. You hire a marketing consultant. He helps you put together some marketing plans and graphics. You hire a website guy. It's still just you. <laughs> so everything is completely outsourced. And that's what's exciting. So if you guys haven't thought about starting a small business, think about the fact that you can do that and still keep your job today, which is really, really exciting. So over 50% of small businesses have a chief financial officer. Well, that's according to Wall Street. <laughs> I must have met the 50% who don't, Corey. I'm guessing in Bar Rescue then. <laughs> and it only takes six days to start a business in the United States. In China, it takes 38 days by the time you get the paperwork done and become wow. legal and all that. So six days you can be in business. What do you think the average amount of startup capital in a small business is? Oh, man. Uh, I can't imagine it be that high. It actually is surprisingly low, Corey. Yeah. You know, most people, well, you know, I don't want to start again. I can't really raise the money now to start my own business. And it's real. The average amount of startup capital is 10 grand. Really? Wow. 10 grand. That's, that's a lot lower than I thought. Years ago, I knew a guy who wanted to start a bar and he didn't have much money. So what he did is he produced these member cards and he sold them to you for a thousand dollars. And for $1,000, you got $2,000 worth of food and beverages in his restaurant when it opened. It was a gift card in essence. Well, food is only 30% and beverages are only about 20%. So if I'm selling you $1,000 worth of food, uh, $2,000 worth of food, it's only costing me $600, right? Yeah. And if I got $1,000 cash from you, well, I'm still ahead by $400 from a product standpoint. So that's how he raised, and he gave out 200 of those, and the guy raised a, a whole bunch of money wow. and opened his restaurant that way. Now, he had the debt that he had to pay all of them in food, but in essence, rather than paying dollar for dollar, he was paying 30 cents on a dollar because he did it all in product trade. So there's a guy who came up with his money without even the 10 grand, doing it completely on other people's money. 45% of minority-owned businesses have fewer than 20 employees. So 55% have more than 20 employees. How about this one? There are 9.9 .9 million female-owned businesses in the U.S. and 14.8 million male-owned businesses. So women are about 10 million. Guys call it 15 million. So it's uh, guys are only about a third more. Yeah, it's not far off. It isn't far off. So uh, uh, And obviously women are a huge force in small business 
uh, today, just as there aren't anything else, there is much more balance, and it's, it's really good to see that. You know, it's funny, Corey, when you run a business day to day, you know, talking to people is easy. You know, you and I talking together is easy. You know, working on things easy. You know, payroll and accounting is what's really, really tough in the business. Because the fact of the matter is a lot of people don't put the time into it, and then it bites them in the butt when the numbers don't work. And running a business doesn't have to be difficult. With Square Payroll Services, you can easily pay your W-2 employees and 1099 contractors online in just a few clicks. You can file your taxes, offer benefits like the 401k, and more. And Square Payroll is integrated with Square POS, so time cards and tips are automatically imported into payroll. And they offer fair and flexible pricing that scales with your business. Just $29 per month plus $5 per employee per month. I'm talking about simple pricing. No hidden fees and no long-term contracts. Square Payroll is a win for any business. Right now, my listeners can receive three free months of Square Payroll by visiting square.com slash go slash taffer. That's square.com slash go slash taffer to receive three months of Square Payroll. Small business owned by American Indians and Alaska Native increased 15% uh, uh, the past several years. Interesting stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's very. The number one motivation for someone to open their own business was that they're ready to be their own boss. Ah. Boy, I got to tell you, when I started, and you know, you, you, you'll see this, Corey, you know, with a lot of small businesses, the owner's car is the first one in the parking lot. It's the last one out at night. Oh, yeah. So working for yourself isn't always easy because at the end of the day, you're working for somebody, the customer, the banker, a partner, the landlord, there's somebody that you're working for. That's a good reason to be one of several. But to me, the greatest reason that anybody should start their own business is because they're passionate about something. You know what I mean, Corey? You're really passionate about production. If you were going to go start your own production company, I would get that. That would make sense to me. But if you called me tomorrow and said, John, I'm going in a couch business. (laughs) I would say, hold on. Why? Well, because I want to work for myself. But you don't like couches, man. I mean, so it's all has to start with something that has some passion in it. Yeah, I agree. So it does all start with passion. And when you're passionate, then working for yourself is a lot of fun. You don't want to work for yourself with something you don't like doing either. That makes no sense. Small businesses, uh, uh, um, owners rank their happiness at nine. Wow, listen to this. 53% of small business owners rank their happiness at nine or above in their roles of owning a business. Nine out of ten. So think about that. Nine out of ten small business owners are happy according to to this data research that we're reading. Over one-third of small business owners feel very confident about the future of their business. Well, in today's economy, I could see why somebody would feel that. And 42% of self-employed professionals are not planning for retirement. Think about that, Corey. They're having so much fun, they don't even want to retire. Right. They're making so much money, they don't want to retire. When you're working for someone else, that's when you want to retire. Well, hey, when do you plan on retiring? I'm not sure I'm ever going to retire, to be honest with you. You know, I've thought about that. I'd like to slow down a little sometimes, Corey, you know? Yeah, I don't see that happening. Now, you know this story. (laughs) Nobody knows this story. I was supposed to take a vacation a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. You helped me out, right? Yeah, we had it all ready to go. We got my e-bikes on the back of the bus, the racks, though. We had everything to go. Did I go anywhere? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Planned and planned and planned. I never went anywhere. So I've been here the whole time, but uh, um, (laughs) I'm not sure I'll ever retire, nor should I. The majority of small business owners are male, 73%. We saw that. And the entrepreneurship in women grew 114% between 97 and 2017. That's pretty cool. Median income for a small business owner. What do you think that is? Ooh, I'd say 100000 Actually, much lower, 59000 
But as a small business owner, you can have the business own your car. Right, there are certain benefits that you get as a business owner and some tax benefits, but fifty nine thousand a year is is uh, uh, you know if you're working for yourself and you're working your own hours and blah blah blah, not a bad deal. Yeah, entrepreneurs who own a home are ten percent more likely to start a business than those who don't, and fifty four percent of small business owners worry about finding employees is one of their biggest worries. So there's some really fascinating stuff on small business, which is my passion, guys. I love it. You know, if you've ever thought of going into a business yourself, if you've ever thought of being an entrepreneur, money shouldn't hold you back. I just showed you that in these statistics, right? There's always money. There's creative ways to finance it. Time shouldn't hold you back. The older you are, the more less likely you are to do it. Other responsibilities, other debts, other things get in the way. So there's no better time than now to start a small business. So, so this week when I was researching small business, and I love to do that because I'm a small business advocate and I do so many small business conventions and involved in small business advocacy and politics, that when I started looking at the statistics of what's going on, I said, I want to have a great small business guest this week. So I called my buddy Jason Pfeiffer. Jason is the editor of Entrepreneur Magazine. Nobody knows more about what's going on in the entrepreneurial world with small business than Jason does. When I come back, I'll be with Jason Pfeiffer. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. And while you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell or just trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions, navigation, moonroof, etc., and watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. And once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True car cash offer not available in all states. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. There's no credit card needed and there's no sign up. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Pluto TV is free on all of your favorite devices. So download Pluto TV today. Taffer's back. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. Well, everybody knows that that, that, uh, uh, I am a small business person, but I love small business people. I've been an advocate of small business my whole life. I do everything I can to help small business owners, small business investors, and uh, that's why I'm so thrilled to have you here today, Jason. So Jason Pfeiffer is the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. I must also say, my friend, we've worked together, known each other for a few years now. And uh, I'm excited to have you here, buddy. There's so much to talk about. It's an explosion in small business these days. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. It's an amazing explosion. And thanks, John. I really am excited to be here with you and, and uh, have loved working with you so far. So, yeah, it's, it is, I think, the best time to be an advocate for and in the space of entrepreneurship because it is, 
I think what everyone recognizes is the engine that fuels the world, that fuels everything that is exciting. <laughs> and, yeah. and also, frankly, I think that the word entrepreneur has been redefined in the last couple of years. It is no longer something that people just use to describe a small business person. It is now a badge of honor. It is an identity. It is a cultural mindset. And uh, that's, that's just so exciting. You know, I never looked at it quite that way. I totally agree with you. So, so, you know, when we look at the statistics and the amount of new small business filings, you know, business application filings, it's through the roof. It's up like 70% over what it was just a few years ago. But I never looked at it quite that way. I always thought that people were, you know, just looking to get ahead and trying to advance themselves and work. But you're right. It's an instant shift in, in uh, individual status, if you will, to say oh, that yeah. word, I'm an entrepreneur today. That's right. I mean, you will find that with so many different kinds of people. It is fascinating. I mean, this was the big discovery that I had when I first walked in to Entrepreneur Magazine is that I was finding that people who were listening to our work and who were reading the magazine and paying attention, they were coming from so many different walks of lives, right? They were selling stuff on eBay. They were, they were, they they were just had a job at a company, but were thinking about their lives in an entrepreneurial way. They were going out onto the internet and trying to make things happen for themselves. Whatever they were doing, they were just looking to take control of their lives and their environment, and they were using the word entrepreneur to describe that. Yeah, it's it's really a, a, a it's a sociological bump, if you will, that that causes more people to jump in, which I think is terrific, obviously. You have an interesting background, Jason. You know, you, you were an editor at Men's Health, Fast Company, Maxim, and Boston Magazine. And, and, you know, when I think about the experience you've had in all of those, it almost aligned the stars perfectly for you to go to Entrepreneur Magazine. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so when we take a look at the entrepreneurial space today, you know, I know so many people are jumping into it. I get excited about what I call, you know, the, the, the new e-commerce business model. And I know we've heard this term before. Let me say what I mean about it. You know, when I look at people like Bowen Backsheets or sock companies or people who kept their jobs, created a website, introduced a product, find the place to make it, a factory to make it, whether they import it or they do it domestically. They didn't spend money on the traditional bricks or mortar, Jason, right? They didn't spend money on the big offices. They didn't put a lot of dollars in the startup. They had a product idea. They got it online. It was really good. And there's so many of these little products now, I'm sure you agree with me, that, that are available that have never made the traditional investments of bricks and mortar and personnel and startup and, and, and so many other things that we had to make as entrepreneurs years ago. I find that uh, uh, even more exciting than, than the opportunities that existed years ago. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think that what you've just identified there is actually one of the two factors that have created the entrepreneurial boom that we're seeing now. So like number one, what you just were talking about is the ease of building a product and of building a company. That so many of the things that people used to have to invest tons of money into yep. and build individually themselves, build the manufacturing process, build the app on a more uh, modern time. Those are things that you can now just get piecemeal. Somebody can you can off uh, you know you can offload it to somebody else. You can you can pay for all these tools. You know you don't need your own I don't know HR department, IT yes. department. Uh, chief marketing officer. You can outsource all of that stuff. Uh, so that's number one. And then number two, I think, was the recession. Because I think that recession taught people that 
this old economy of getting a job at a company and then staying there your entire career was not possible anymore. And if you wanted to take control of your own career, then you were going to have to start building thing yourself. So you've got that kind of mindset plus all these tools available to build a company and you've got what we have today, an entrepreneurial boom. You know, it's fascinating uh, the, the way, and you really understand, you know, the sociological personal dynamic aspect of this far deeper than anybody I've ever spoken with. That's really true. So the recession sort of cut our legs out from under us, if you will, made us all scared about depending upon others, taught us that we can't count on that job that we thought we used to, caused us to have a different mindset of, okay, I got to control my own destiny. I got to make this happen on my own. Mm -hmm. Then the economic shift happened the tax changes happened. The business climate changed. And with that mindset, they stepped in. Then they, then today you don't need the traditional huge investor, the traditional startup fees as we were talking about. So then ease of entry really sealed the deal for them in the end. That's right. That's right. And I, Got to tell you, the way that I came to that realization was by discovering how much unbelievable passion there is for entrepreneurship among young people. That is an unbelievable fire right now. You go to, and I'm sure you've spoken at these places, these conferences yep. full of young entrepreneurs, and they are on fire. And they come up to you and they have so much energy and so many ideas. And they're like already on their third company and they're 19 years old. And it's crazy. And I just started thinking, where is this coming from? And then I realized that the answer is that they are all, first of all, they're all digitally native. So they're already very aware of the tools available to them and how to use them. They can just walk into some some tool and, and, and get to understand how it's valuable to them. And then number two is that they were all coming into the work force at a time in which that lesson had been laid bare about having to take control of your own destiny. And I think that's where that generation comes from. And, uh, uh, and you can just, I mean, just play that out for the next 30 years. It's going to be unbelievable. You know, I read a statistic, and, and this was from several months ago when I was preparing for a, uh, a Fox News show, that uh, 3.1 million people a few months ago, forgive me, I forget which month it was, Jason, quit their jobs because they felt they had the, or they had the confidence to believe that they could get a better job or create a better situation for themselves. And that was one of the record numbers over the past years in our economy. How people are so confident now. And I think that, you know, there's another part to this discussion, which I think is really important. Today, when you enter the entrepreneurial space, the risk isn't as great. My point is you can get in for less. You can try something, still keep your job, still keep income. But if it fails... And what you just said was really powerful about these young kids that are now in the third venture at 19. I've, I've, my failure set me up for success. There's no question about it. And I think today that if you fail, it's easier to get up from it because there are jobs. There is opportunity around us. So it's, what, what, what's fascinating to me is not only did the recession program the entrepreneurial mind and then the shift in economy provide the opportunity, but if it doesn't work, it's very easy to re-enter the, the workspace today. There's opportunity, there's jobs, there's promotional opportunities, there's all sorts of, of, of invigorating things around us today. So if you were thinking of entering the entrepreneurial space, is there anything that would hold you back right now? Oh, yeah. Well, listen, I mean, there are people who can't take the financial risk. Uh, I've been mean, getting into the entrepreneurial space is going to require some financial risk. You're not going to get a payoff immediately and you may 
frankly, spend quite a while uh, not making that much money and not everyone can afford to do that. And so for that reason, I've heard a lot of people advise that if you're going to become an entrepreneur, you try to do it early before you have kids that you got to pay for and uh, just a more complex life. But um, that's good advice. Yeah, I think I I think it's very good advice. Uh, And and I and I I certainly feel it myself as a guy with two kids, uh, you know, that that uh, I'm not as risky now in my career as I as I used to be. Um, But at the same time, you can also just think of that. You think think of channeling your entrepreneurial passion into a side hustle and you keep your full time job while at the same time developing something on the side and seeing where it goes, because, of course, entrepreneurship is all about pattern recognition and data. You need to go out there, start something, see how it goes, learn from it, and then grow. And I think, you know, that 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 stat, John, that you just said about it, people quitting their jobs is really fascinating because what it speaks to is a recognition, I think, among corporate America that there are so many opportunities for their employees that they need to start, they, the companies, need to start being more flexible in giving their employees, their most talented, ambitious employees, the space to explore. I, I always preach this, that the your best employees are going to be the ones with side hustles. Those are the most ambitious people. Those are the people with vision. Those are the people who feel like they cannot be contained by one single job and a nine to five. And you should hold on to those people. You should foster those people. You should understand that they will give you 100% and they will keep 50% for themselves because they work at a higher capacity than everybody else. And I, I see more recognition for that in companies that they are fostering those entrepreneurs inside of their organization and that means that means that you that person can have both you can be the you can be the person with the steady job uh, if you can't take that risk right now and you can build that side hustle and see where it goes and often that employer will support that side hustle it could become the investor in it you never know uh, i've done that with people yeah. who've worked with me i agree so, so so when you take a look at the overall economic climate and uh, an entrepreneur you guys of course do your franchise studies and your franchise reports and look at that what what opportunity areas are the largest right now can you speak to that a little because a lot of people listening to us you know are, are, are toying with the idea of getting into into a business but they don't know what it is and, you know, I've learned over the years that you better be passionate about what it is. You just don't go into business to go into business. you got to go into business to do something that you're passionate about or believe about. What are the things Completely. out there that you see are, are exciting now? Well, so first of all, I, I have to second what you just said so, so strongly. You cannot go into this without a passion. You cannot go into this without identifying some reason why you're doing it. Because going into it just to make money is not it. I mean, listen, everybody should understand that going into business does not mean that you will make a bunch of money. It is, it does, it's not a, it's not a get rich quick scheme. And, uh, you know, you, John, know that I'm sure walk, yep. walking into every, walking into every restaurant, bar, bar rescue, you know, yep. these are, these are folks who probably in some cases are not pulling in a lot of money because, uh, it's a difficult business. And, um, if you don't have it right, what you have here is passion and energy and, and freedom in a way, what you don't have is money and that comes with time. And so you have to have the vision and the strength of character to be able to continue to focus on that vision. I see, I see the most exciting space right now, and this is going to be the literally most boring answer. I see the most exciting stuff happening in boring spaces. That is where 
people who have not come in and innovated as much. They haven't thought about it. They haven't been excited about it. But when I go out and I talk to investors, and I talk to people who work with young entrepreneurs, and I say, where is the most exciting energy? It's in boring spaces. It's in healthcare. It's in insurance. It's in real estate. You want to go out and solve a problem that nobody has tried to solve in 50 years? You go into boring spaces, and there are just worlds of people who are waiting for you for your idea, for your energy. They haven't, they have problems that nobody's tried to fix in decades. Yeah. And that is huge, huge untapped space. And it's interesting that you say that because it doesn't have to be a new innovative product to, to, to uh, create an unbelievable future. Healthcare, of course, is one of the biggest growing sectors in our economy. I believe at the end of the year, it was the only sector that showed growth in the stock market uh, was healthcare, if I'm not mistaken. So, so uh, obviously, you know, that's a really powerful a message for everyone to look at. You know, I have so many friends that worked in healthcare or worked in this space or that space and and found an, a solution for a problem, whether it was a software solution or another solution. That became their little side hustle, if you will. A and they sold those companies in some cases for hundreds of millions of dollars. And it was because they were working within an industry and found a solution that nobody else thought of uh, uh, or, or uh, uh, was able to determine. Yeah. And once you become that kind of person, someone who can look at a space and identify a problem that you can solve, that scales, boy. I mean, you know, you and I have met, I'm sure, just tons of people who, yesterday I was interviewing on stage uh, the, the founder of Schmitz Naturals, which is this uh, mm -hmm. natural deodorant and uh, whatever else line that was bought by Unilever. And uh, I was... I thought I was – it was a panel about uh, about the art of the acquisition, building and selling a company because that company had been sold to Unilever. And uh, and he said he said to me before we got on stage, he was like, so which company do you want me to talk about? And I was like, what do you mean which company? Like Schmitz Naturals, I assume, because that's, that's the one that you just sold. And it turns out that that was like his 10th company. The first company that he bought yeah. – that he built and sold was when he was 13 years old. And, and, and listen, not everyone's going to be able to do that. Uh, I certainly haven't done that. But – the important thing to take away from that is once you get into the mindset of being a problem solver, you can do that over and over again. That is a skill that you develop that you can yep. then apply for the rest of your life. No different than introducing a product, no different than marketing knowledge. Uh, uh, you can reapply that. That's the beauty of failure is, you know, when I was young and I followed the model we're talking about. Jason, you know, I was young. I didn't get married till I was 30. I didn't have my daughter till I was 35. So, you know, until I was 30 years old, I was only accountable to myself. I moved 11 times in five years pursuing opportunities because I had nothing yeah. to hold me back. So I could keep going. You know, in those days, I was a hotel manager. I, you know, they kept giving me bigger hotels. And uh, had I not moved, I wouldn't have gotten that next opportunity. So, so when I had that youth, I could take those chances. I could travel. I, I could risk only my own well-being, not that of a wife and a child. So you're so right that, that, you know, entrepreneurship is something you really need to get into when you're younger rather than older. That's really uh, uh, the, the least painful, <laughs> if you will, way to get into it. And how many friends do you and I have when we think about it who are now 35, 40, 45 years old, married, young kids, and, you know, when you ask them about their dream, nah, this isn't the time, this isn't the time, this isn't the time. Well, yeah, and, you know, that time probably is not going to be when you're 60, 65 either. So, you know, there's a great lesson in life, I find, and that is when we do things five years from now, we really regret what we did. But five years from now, we often regret what we didn't.
Yeah. And if we look back at our lives, I think you'll find that's probably true for you. And, of course, there's one or two exceptions always. But as a general rule, I don't look back and, and regret the businesses that I did, even the ones that struggled or failed. But I do look back and regret the opportunities that I thought were great that I didn't pursue. Yeah. So I couldn't – oh, I'm sorry. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with that more. It, it's, it is something that – listen, you, you, we – we've stressed the importance of being able to jump in young and take advantage of that youth and lesser responsibilities. But there, but there is no time like the present, regardless of your age to jump in. And I I think that the thing that holds people back is that they're afraid that they don't know the end result. You know, why start if you don't know where it's going? And the thing that you have to remember is that it nobody knows where it's going. You cannot know where it's going until you start. Until yeah. you start moving, you can't see where the path goes. So you either get going and learn along the way or you never move at all. But you could say that about marriage. We could say that about every aspect of life. So at the end of the day, it's just taking a chance and believing in yourself. And believing in yourself means that no matter which way it goes, you'll be able to take the ride. And you'll be okay. And, 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 you know, we have we have economic issues, but guys like us dig out of them, don't we? And, and we learn from it, and we get stronger, and we get better, and that next one works. Or the next one works, but son of a gun. By the time we reach that 30 years old, we've, we've learned so much, and then we start to, to, to run on all cylinders, and before you know it, we find success. This is a great way to end this interview, because you said something a couple of seconds ago that was, you know, why, what did you say, why wait, or, or, or the time is now, or, or there was something that you just said about it that we were discussing. Yeah. Do you recall, recall what it was? I mean, I said I said that if you know the only time to the best time to move is now. Yes, uh, there we go. I mean, that's it. Yes. There's it's certainly not tomorrow. Yes. So economically, this is a great time to move. From a consumer standpoint, this is a great time to move. E-commerce is off the chart. This is a great time to move. It's easy to get easier to get product distribution on platforms like Amazon and stuff than ever before. So, what are we waiting for? Those of you that are really thinking of making this step, uh, go to Entrepreneur. Uh, it's a great website. Talk a little bit, Jason, if you would, about some of the, the, the content and, and support that you have for, for those that want to get in the entrepreneurial space or current entrepreneurs. Yeah, sure. Happily. So, you know, listen, I, one of the most important things for any business is change. And I am a firm believer that the thing that makes all entrepreneurs successful is their ability to change and to embrace change and to recognize change and to act before they're forced to act, you know, because when you, when you're able to act and make change on your own terms, you can build something great. And when you're having to react out of pain, you're scrambling and you don't have that same control. And the reason that I say that is because we at entrepreneur are like any other magazine, we are experiencing change. We're in a changing industry. I don't think it's breaking news to anybody that the media industry is radically changing. And so we look at our own business as a moving target and we have to move with it. And so I think that one of the most important things that a brand like entrepreneur can do right now is to stop just talking at people and start working with people. And so we still make a great magazine and we have great podcasts and we have a great website and all that stuff. But to me, the thing that I'm most excited about actually 
are these direct conversations that we're starting with people. So for example, we start the thing called Ask an Expert. And uh, Ask an Expert, entrepreneur.com slash expert. You can book time with a whole ton of people, including me. And this is for people who just, you know, like not everybody has a network full of experts, a person that you can call when you've got a problem in your business and you just don't know how to solve it and you can't read a magazine article about it. What you need is 30 or 60 minutes of somebody's time face-to-face or at least digital face-to-face to really work through it. And so we built a, a tool for just that. Um, and also we built this thing called uh, Entrepreneur Insider, Entrepreneur Insider, where you can get uh, access to all of these um, uh, webinars and sessions and access to experts. And I think that that is the future of our business and frankly of of all business like us, which is to say anybody who's in the service business, who is helping people, we have to start thinking about how to be directly useful, not just produce something that could be useful if you find the right usage for it, but that we are there for you when you need us. And that is a, that's a change in thinking about our business. And I'm really excited about that. And I, and I hope that that inspires other people too in their businesses, because you cannot stand still. If you stand still, then everybody else just passes you by. You have to think, what do people want today? What are they going to want tomorrow? And then you take those risks and you build those new tools and you try to meet them where people are rather than try to draw people to what you used to do. We can't just be an old media business now. We've got to go to where people are. Well, you know what's brilliant about that, too, is to me the most difficult resource to get is intelligence and experience, right? You, yeah. you can find money. You can find material goods. You can find services, architects, accountants. But, you know, where do you find that, that intellect and that experience? So, in essence, what you're doing is you're really providing a solution, if you will, or an opportunity for people to, to – access intellect and experience which is the greatest resource of all no question about it because with that you get money with that you find success so that's really exciting uh, thank uh, you yeah that, and that's i'm really i'm really excited about it and i gotta say it is my favorite part of the day is it's so weird I, john I don't, I don't know if you have this experience because you know you you do you and i both have um similar patterns in our jobs in which there are times where we are producing something that's going to be consumed by masses, a TV show, a magazine. And then there are other times where we're just face to face in front of somebody. If you're working directly with a company, or if you're speaking at an event and, and same thing with me. And I am finding actually that doing the face to face, even though it's not scaling, right? It's just talking mm -hmm. to one person, mm -hmm. but just that face to face interaction and seeing somebody learn and grow right in front of you has become more satisfying to me than producing a magazine that's going to be read by millions of people because I can just I can see it I can see them I can feel like I've made a change in them individually and that is so satisfying. Boy, that's why I do Bar Rescue, uh, and you've seen me do my speeches, Jason. There's yeah. nothing more exciting than seeing somebody light up. Their facial expression changes, their body posture changes, yeah. and everything changes. You see it happen before your eyes. It is. I agree with you. There's nothing more inspiring th than seeing that directly, you know, personally, uh, 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 not distant from it. Uh, um, and you know, TV unfortunately lets me do that to the people that are there with me. But it doesn't let me do it to those that are watching. And, you know, that, that's sometimes unfortunate. But, uh, buddy, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, uh, I love Absolutely. working with you as well. You know, you have a, a, a great spirit and love for this industry. And, Jason, wh what is the hustle that you're doing? 
Anything that you're doing? Do you have a website people can visit? Can we follow you? What What are you doing, even separate of entrepreneur? Oh my God! Yeah, no, yeah. You got a, you got another half an hour. Uh, yeah, it's uh, first of all, John. Yeah, I I, I totally um, uh, throw that right back at you. I, I I love everything that you're doing and, and the energy that you bring. And uh, uh, and I've I've learned. I told you this last time that we saw each other uh, over lunch. That um, the the energy that you bring to the stage and uh, and to your show actually gave me a lot of inspiration because it it, it made me realize that I could I, I had the freedom to amp up my own energy. I, I was, I was, so I was like, am I going to look manic if I go on stage? And I'm like really, really excited. But I realized that actually you bring like whatever you bring, as long as it's honest and it's truthful, uh, uh, the more energy that you can bring to something, the more people respond to it. And so I, I feel like watching you on stage, uh, opened another door for me, which was really exciting. Um, I have, yeah, I do a whole bunch of stuff on the side, uh, uh, that's entrepreneurial, but very quickly, I mean, a couple things that I'll note. One is a podcast called Problem Solvers. Mm-hmm. Uh, each episode is about an entrepreneur solving an unexpected problem in their business. That's uh, that's an entrepreneur product. I also have another show called Pessimists Archive. It's a history <laughs> of why people resist new things. So each episode we look at the moment that something new was introduced. Uh, uh, the bicycle, the car, the novel, coffee, chess, the Walkman. Things that today we take for granted, but when they were new, they were scary and fear resisted and sometimes banned. Yeah. And uh, and I look at why we continue to do that as people and how we can how we can overcome that that gut reaction against against newness. Um, so I, I guess I'd, I'd suggest uh, that people check those things out. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hey Pfeiffer, H-U-I-F-E-I-F-E-R. And, uh, and I got to say, I am super, super responsive because, like I said, I love being in touch with people. And so uh, if anybody listens to any of my stuff or reads any of my stuff, um, you know, re- seriously, reach out. Um, I will respond. Wow, that's terrific, buddy. Well, you know, your energy uh, 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 energizes me. It's wonderful to be able to touch an industry like you do. It's amazing yeah. that your writings and the works can change people's lives, inspire them. And dare I say, sometimes these changes are multi-generational. You know, you, you change the life of the person. It changes the life of their family, you know, generation after generation. This is important work that you're doing, buddy, and you know it. And, and thank ha- you. hats off to you for doing it so well. So, Jason Pfeiffer, thank you. Editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. Check him out online. Uh, 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 and I'm sure you'll see us doing something together soon because we keep in touch. Thank you, buddy. Hey, man. I look, I look forward to the next time we're talking. Same here. Take care. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. Hey, it's Adam Carolla letting you know about my newest podcast, Going Racing. Me and Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, that is. We'll uh, highlight the fastest cars. We'll talk about the best races and the best celebrities in motorsports. Subscribe now at Podcast One. Shut it down. All right, John. New week and new callers. Let's see. Shut it down. All right, John. This is Corey. Hey, Corey. How you doing, man? Hey, John. How are you? Good. So I see you're a musician. I am. Yes, sir. And uh, so tell me what's going on. Okay, so uh, so I started a band about ten years ago as just a creative outlet, and we've been playing, you know, for a long time together. And we decided we'd cut a record um, back in March. And right after we cut a record, um, we split to three different cities. So one of our guys is in Denver, two of us are in Washington D.C., and two of us are in Richmond. And we've got a really good record, we think, and we don't know how to market 
the record with us being so far apart from one another. Mm. So uh, um, what have you done to try to market it? I mean, you're not performing anywhere, which makes it really, really difficult to develop a following. Right. So, so, right. Uh, so, uh, um, and honestly, if if uh, I was a promoter, why would I want to promote your record if you guys aren't even together anymore? I don't really have an answer for that. I just, you know, I think, I think with the with technology the way it is, um, you know, a lot of bands can use the internet as a means to to grow and you don't necessarily, you know, have to play the festival circuit or the club circuit anymore. And so I was hoping to maybe tap into some of those resources that the internet has. So, so, out there. so what you're looking to do is you're looking to introduce your brand to somebody online, have them have the interest in clicking on a link to listen to the, your music and then have further interest to click through and buy it. That's right. How many how many times do you think people click on music for bands they've never heard on, they've never heard of? You think I that happens often? Fine, but I'm a music you know, nut, so I couldn't speak for it. No, I hear you, and yeah. I'm a music nut too. I'm one of those guys who probably would, <laughs> but I think we're we're few and far between is what worries me a little bit, Corey. So, okay. so you know what concerns me is, is you know do you have video content? Uh, we do. We have video content from years ago. Um, and we will have video content. We actually made like a mini documentary as we were recording this record since it's been 10 years in the making. So, so uh, uh, you need to think about what you want to be. So if you're looking to okay. sell musical content, that's one thing. If you're looking to be a band, that's a completely different business plan. I mean, you've got to get out there okay. and play if you're going to be a band. If you're going right. to make a documentary, and I'm sorry to be tough on you, buddy, why do I want to watch a documentary for a band I've never heard of? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think, um, I so, think we should have a really interesting story. That's, well, that's that, all. But yeah, that's guess, exactly that's where I'm going. So how do you make yourself relevant, Corey? What is it? And, okay. and don't answer this. What is the story of the band? What is it that I'm curious about? Because a good hook on a song is great, but you've got to get me to hear that hook on the song. So what sure. is it about that band that's interesting? Well, it took you 10 years to make a record. Ah, that's A lot of people can say things like that. You know, what is it about that band that makes it special? Why should I listen to that? And you, that's what you've got to solve. If the music is good, okay. the issue isn't the music. The issue is where's the story? Where's the hook? Where's the, where's the relevancy? Why do I want to listen to this? You've got to okay. solve that. Right. You've got to solve that. And come up with some story, some issue, some curiosity factor that makes me say, wow. You know, my new TV show, Marriage Rescue, premiered a couple of weeks ago. And, and you right. know, people are curious to see, you know, what what's he going to do in this show? What is it? There's a curiosity for the new show that, that drives its success. Now, if the show sucks, the show sucks. People won't watch it again. If it's good, they will. No different than your music. But how do you create that relevancy to get the first listen? to get that first look. You've got to figure out that that's your barrier. And every business has barriers. And you got to break down the barriers to be successful. You know, salespeople have different barriers they need to break down with overcoming objections and things like that. People with retail stores have barriers to overcome, like parking. They can't make left turns. The logo isn't right. It doesn't connect with people. Everybody has a barrier. If your music is great, Corey, then your music isn't the barrier. It's getting people to listen to it that's the barrier. That's what you got to solve. 
And that's you're a tall order. Right yeah, yeah, you're a tall order. So you got to come up with some stunts, some story, something that makes me say, holy shit, I want to listen to this. <laughs> okay, okay, great. That's a perfect start. Yep. Well, good luck, buddy. Hope it works out for you. Take care. All right, thanks, John. Bye-bye. Shut it down. All right, John, this is Matthew. Hey, Matthew. How you doing, buddy? Good, John. How are we doing? Good, thanks. You're out in Bakersfield, huh? A little toasty today, I would yeah. think, out there. Yeah, it's 107 today. It's going to be hot as Hades for sure. Yeah, I hear you. I'm in Vegas. It's not much better here, but uh, 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 summer is still a great time of year out here, though, but I wouldn't give it up for anything. I'd take it over winter any day. Yeah, I, I get those cabs. I, I spend a lot of time in Vegas <clears throat> during the summer, and I uh, get those cabs everywhere I go for sure. Yep. So what do you want to talk about? Well, I want to talk a little bit about Marriage Rescue, if I could. Uh, you know, it's a great show. And I'm a I'm a pullover from the Bar Rescue series, um, but I, you know I've seen every episode. <clears throat> Years ago, I got hooked. I think the first one I ever watched at Bar Rescue was you're out in New Jersey or, or a little podunk little place, and you turned it into a, just a, an outstanding little venue. And uh, I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, and so I got hooked right away. And then when you did the um, Marriage Rescue, I said, well, you know, I'll give it a shot. Well, now I really like it. Now I'm kind of, as a fan of the show, I'm kind of craving a little bit more information. And it's not just me. It's my girlfriend now. So yep. anyway, um, so at the end of the show, what I'd like to see, or I guess my question is, if, if you guys in the future have any, kind of like at the end of Bar Rescue, how you give an update, like 30% sales increase, et cetera, and so forth. If you guys have any like future update uh, or episode updates planned, uh, for the uh, for the uh, rescues for the couples that went on the rescue. You know, it's a great suggestion, actually. And, and uh, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, this week on social media I'll post how the first four couples are doing, but we'll add that to the end of the show because I think it's a great suggestion because you get connected to these people. You want to know how it works out. I completely understand. Yeah, yeah. That um, there, there's been you know you guys have got some good. Uh, casting people because they this last week um uh, you know I, my girlfriend's a nurse bill that guy <laughs> bill was, was a, a, i thought she was a, i thought she was a sailor because the guy <laughs> the italian guy from new york the episode with that guy and she's like this lady looks like a wonderful lady she was and we were watching and we were watching the show and and, and i don't know her from shinola but i can tell you how she came across on tv is you know, giving the guy a chance, he's going through a phase in his life. Maybe he's having a late midlife, and I'm thinking, I'm 44, and I want to buy, a, you know, a red Ferrari. And this guy should have already went through this by now. <laughs> right, right. You know what it was? So, he, he was anyway. going to he was going to send her home with nothing. Uh, back to oh. Egypt is what he was going to do. So his view was that she came, she was married to him for eight or nine years, and now he's finished with her. He can just discard her and send her back with no money at all. And, and yeah, that so, guy was something else. And and he what he did is when it came down to it, he didn't want to divorce her, but he just loved to threaten it. You know, it empowered him. He could pound his chest, and it was weaponizing the whole premise of divorce. You know what I'm saying? Just using it as a constant, constant threat. And your instincts are, are totally right, uh, uh, Matt, because she uh, was an incredible sweetheart and incredibly devoted to him. And it's really a very sad story, unfortunately. 
but uh, that's yeah. What, but you know, it's real, and whatever happens, happens, and and uh, you know, that unfortunately is marriage at its worst. Yeah, it really is. I just went through. I was married twelve and a half, and was with her fifteen years, and we just about a year and a half ago went through a, a nasty divorce, and we have two young ones, seven and a four year old, but. You know, I, I had a small business. I was a small, she's a high school teacher and I had a small business. And, you know, I, I there's a lot of it, uh, what you're doing over the first, like bits and pieces of each one of your marriage rescue episodes that I clearly see, um, you know, bits and pieces of me, both, you know, uh, of the husband or the wife going through this process. And, and I'm like, man, where was this show a couple of years ago? <laughs> yeah. But, well, hopefully but, it yeah, resonates. It, it, Hopefully it resonates oh, with it people does. and makes a difference. But, uh, you know, it's no, funny. All, almost all the problems is that we have in marriages are never the other person. It's always us. You know, we have, to, we have to all be better at being ourselves sometimes to make the marriage work better. And it's the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes, you know, everything is them, 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 them. But, you know, it's us, us, us too. So uh, uh, it's, it's, it's very sobering in a sense to watch Marriage Rescue and to see this. And it connects with all of us. You know, we all have those moments, and they're not our favorite moments. So sometimes watching somebody else do it teaches us not to do it ourselves. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. There was uh, my, uh, I, we were doing, we were a small, uh, moving towards a medium business, and, and uh, you know, I had lost that business during the course of my divorce, you know, unfortunately, and it, it got bitter and it got nasty, and, you know, um, the good She's, thing is, is that uh, the only thing we agreed on that we agreed to agree on was always, you know, put the kids first and, you know, and, uh, you know, the money was, you know, and everything else that came with it underneath it was, uh, I told her monetary and material and stuff. And so finally, you know, we actually just got it done here recently in the month of May, but it was a year and a half long process. And so, like I said, going through it so fresh in, in my personal history and to see, watch this show has just been a real, um, you know, avant-garde, if you will, just just really taking bits and pieces and, and kind of reliving it and going, you know what, it was for the best. And it's kind of, you know, cathodic, yeah, you know, you guys going through this and taking them down to the DR and stuff, or, or, or yep, Puerto Rico, yep. I think it was. You'll get a kick out of next week. Next week, uh, I'm interviewing uh, Donnie Wahlberg and Jenny McCarthy, who are a great couple. And they talk about a lot of the things that they went through in, in, in uh, their marriage or do talk about all the things that they go through in their marriage because they've had a lot of struggles too. But it's amazing what a great marriage they have. But you might get a kick out of hearing that next week, Matt. Anyway, take care, buddy. It was nice right. to talk to you. Thank you very much, John. You guys take care. You too. Listen, I'd really love it if you'd be on the show. You can challenge me, argue with me, disagree with me, agree with me, whatever you like. But the more challenging, the better. Just send an email to podcast at johntaffer.com, podcast at johntaffer.com. Corey will open those emails. He'll set it up with you, and then you and I will talk on a podcast, and we'll have some fun. And by the way, while you're at it, don't forget to hit subscribe at Apple Podcasts or go to podcast.com or the Podcast One app, and you'll get your new episodes every Tuesday. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. Well, that does it for this week. Corey, I came up with a cool idea. Oh, yeah? For a new thing that I'd like to do. It's so easy and fun, and you know I love any time our listeners interact with us. So I want listeners to post online any question at all that they would have for me. And where would they post that, Corey? Uh, They can DM us on Twitter, or they can email podcast at johntaffer.com works as well. Any question. Now, if you want to do it in an audio clip 
and email us the audio clip, we will play your audio clip on the show and I'll answer the question. I want some wild question, guys. I want you to go for it. Not as, how did this bar rescue end? Or how did, no. Give me some hard question, guys. Let's have some fun. Ask me questions that you'd never ask anyone. Ask me questions that you thought nobody else asked me. You want to embarrass me? Go for it. You want to call me out? Go for it. So let's do this online. Those of you who write the questions, Corey will read the questions. Corey, I don't want to know them in advance, okay? Okay. No advance. This all needs to be spontaneous. And if you want to send them to me on audio files, which I would love, Corey will simply play the audio file on a podcast. Everybody will hear it, and I will answer your question in real time. So I'm going to call this bit in the dark because you're going to help collect these questions, Corey. You're going to pick the craziest, toughest, most challenging or embarrassing ones. All right. You're going to fire them at me with no notice. All right. And let's see what happens. Cool. I can't wait to do this. Send in your questions. I'll talk to you all next week. Take care.